You may be seated. God bless you this morning. Remember the big bad wolf and the three little pigs? Who remembers that from uh, elementary school? Yeah, that nursery rhyme was a trip for me. The imagery was pretty, you know, impactful. I still don't like the big bad wolf. As a pastor, I still run off wolves. But he came to huff and puff and do what? The accuser comes to steal. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So there's imagery that parallels. You know, you can learn something in a nursery rhyme. And what I think about it is that the three little pigs were carpenters. They were builders. Every house is built by all men, uh, some man, but the builder of all things is God. It says in Hebrews 3. And we're God's workmanship, and we're God's building. He's a, an amazing chief architect. He's brilliant. He's better than... Uh, Anyone who has ever been or will be, he's he's without parallel. And he gives us a firm foundation. But yet, the three little pigs had different materials. They built with sticks. What were the other materials? Straw. And then what else? Brick. This building's built with brick. And in 1993, we had what the scripture uh, talked about when there are two people that built. One was wise, one was foolish. One built on sand basically with, you know, straw and sticks. The other one built with a solid, on a solid foundation with substance. He said, when you're a doer of the word, you're wise, and you build with the right materials, and you build on good, solid foundation. He said, when you hear my word and you do it. James chapter 1 says that when we're doers of the word and not merely hearers, we won't be deluded. And it also says when we're doers of the word, this man, this woman, this child, this person will be blessed in everything they do. How many of you that appeals to you? Blessing on your child rearing, blessing on your single life, blessing on your seasons and stages of life, going into a new job, going to college, retiring, graduating, whatever your station in life, my God is so faithful, and, but yet the imperative has been and always will be the firm foundation. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. Now, Ephesians 4 says, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers are given as gifts to the body of Christ. And I've been so blessed by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building of the body of Christ. We're in a tremendous power shift moment in society, 2021. We're in a fascinating era to live in. It's such a privilege to be alive today. Like Mordecai told Esther in the book of Esther, when uh, they faced off with Haman and his uh, extermination of the Jewish people, he turned to him and he, he turned to his uh, cousin Esther and he said, you've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Look at somebody next to you and say, such a time as this. So we're in God's timetable. We're in God's time frame. He, has, he makes everything beautiful in his time. Ecclesiastes 3, 11, 12. And, and, and there's, there's a time to speak, there's a time to be silent, there's, there's a time to sow, there's a time to reap. But I'm telling you, it's always time to build our house on the rock. There's, it's always uh, uh, important that on Christ the solid rock we stand, realizing all other ground is sinking sand. This is a real uh, safe haven uh, for individuals, for church, for families, for groups, for businesses, to, to, to stand on and walk in that which is modeled in the Word of God. So I want to talk to you today about being righteous, being made right with God, having right standing with God. 
And I want to clear something up right off the bat. I've been teaching this for weeks. We've been discussing this over and over again. I'm teaching a series on Sunday mornings, a foundational series. The reason for it is that, that in the end times, difficult times will come. And uh, there'll be all kinds of self-centered, sort of narcissistic behaviors. And then it says that the, for a minister, we're to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and with instruction, and uh, to, to do the work of the evangelist, to fulfill your ministry, and uh, because there will be people in the end that will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They want to have their ears tickled. And he said, but, but you preach the word. So it, it's uh, important that we get on that solid footing so that when the big bad wolf tries to huff and puff, he'll not be able to blow your house down. When the flood of 93 hit this building, the windows broke because they're flimsy, made out of silica, but the walls stayed strong. And particularly, the roof didn't move because the pillars held it up, and the pillars held it up because they are not just set on, on, on silt or on sand or on gravel or on rocks, but they're on the bedrock. Somebody drilled down several yards to get to the bedrock to build a solid uh, building, and this is what we're doing today. We're drilling down on something so essential. For some of you, I'm stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. For some of you, I'm introducing a new thought to you. I'm teaching the word of righteousness. Righteous, in righteousness, you will be established. You'll be far from oppression, and you will not fear. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and read verse 17 through 21. This is the cornerstone verse. This is a hallmark. This is awesome. How many of you say, I'm building my house on the rock, I'm standing firm, uh, I'm walking by faith that when the winds blow and the waves crash and the rains come, my house will stand. How many of you, having done all to stand, Ephesians 6, you stand. Stand for something. Stand on the truth. Stand in the word of God. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. And behold, new things have come. I hope this is as encouraging, breathtaking, inspiring, as awesome as it, as it, as it possibly could be for you. I watched a documentary last night. I'm a documentary geek, and I was watching Werner Herzog's documentary on meteorites. Thank you. That's what my <laughs> wife thought. That's exactly how my wife reacted when she came into the room. What are you watching? That is boring. <laughs> but I'll tell you what's amazing. It was all about meteors and meteorites. And, uh, he, was, they were and he has this very strong German accent. He was, he was the narrator and the director. And I, I, I admire his work. He does a good job. There was a Korean team in the Arctic on a glacial uh, shelf that they figured out um, the conditions were just right where any rocks that they found on the surface definitely were uh, meteorites. They were, they were not from earthly origin. They were from the heavens. And there was a video of the scientists that found a pretty good-sized meteor just sitting on top of the sheet of pure white ice. And it was very dark, and, you know, it's metallic. And uh, they were so excited the, they burst into tears. They were, you know, they spoke Korean, but the, you could just tell there's so much exuberance. These guys had 
you know, got, I'm sure, a grant, and they were up there in this freezing cold, and they were in these harsh conditions, and they were looking for a needle in a haystack, and they found one, and they were so thrilled, and they were crying and laughing and falling on each other, and, uh, you know, this is about the time my wife came in, and she's like, what, you know, what? I know, Patsy, it is kind of, they're, but they're excited, you know, they're scientists, and they found something they were looking for, and um, the Bible says that your word I found, and, and I ate them, and they were sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And we're, you know, we're often guarding ourselves from being excitable. We don't want to be too extreme, just how crazy and harsh things are. Uh, we learn how to abase and how to abound and, you know, just kind of get along. But the word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. And the entrance of it gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. And faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I watched those guys who found a meteorite on an ice flow on a glacier up in the Arctic Circle. And I shared with their enthusiasm and their scientific discovery. But it made me think as a believer, Lord, when I read, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things pass away, and behold, new things have come. This is breathtaking, inspiring. We should never, ever uh, get conditioned to it. We should never yawn through it. We need to rejoice over his word as someone who has found great spoil. I mean, a meteorite is cool. How many of you think so? When I was in Zimbabwe, somebody brought me a little bag. He said, these are meteorites. I, you know, you know, and and it, they were amazing. I bought some and gave them to my friends. Lost the rest of them. I'm still now, after I watched this show, I thought, Wow. I want to go find my meteorites, but there's a guy that uh, made a, a kitchen knife out of steel, stainless steel, and meteorite. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And they, they uh, auctioned it, and I think it made a quarter of a million dollars. So people value certain things, but I'm telling you, God's word is more precious than rubies. It's more precious than the gold standard, which is now $1,846 an ounce or something like that. So we go back to this, and we see that if any person gives their life to Jesus, there's notable change. A new creation occurs. The old things pass away and new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ look, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Oh boy, that's good. We'll get back to that in a minute. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God and sinners are reconciled. And here's basically what righteousness is. It's right standing with God. We who are alienated and separated, we who are lost because of Adam's sin, who all fell short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, have an opportunity for a new birth. And if anyone receives Jesus, they become a brand new creature. John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him to them, he gives the right or the power to become the children of God. Wow. And so it, it's God, look, this reconciliation piece is so important. God took the debt out of our account and put his assets into our account. He who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. That's what it says in verse 21. Now, right before that, it says, therefore, 
We are ambassadors for Christ. And this is why, as your pastor, I'm preaching these foundational teachings. To get you to remember who he is and who you are in him and what you're to do because of that. And so we get a hold of this and we get proficient. It says in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, about immaturity. Immaturity is just I want milk and not meat because I'm only accustomed to uh, meat, milk and I, and I need to understand the, the word of righteousness. It says that for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. One translation says the ABCs of man's righteousness. So what is righteousness? It's important that we understand it. It's, being, it's having right standing with God. And we need to understand what it is and what it is not so we can have a complete understanding for ourselves and not succumb to the accuser and to the lies of the devil and the human tendency for performance orientation. Our righteousness is not based on our performance. It's based on Jesus' performance. Our righteousness, listen to this, is by birthright, not by behavior. It's by birthright, not by behavior. It, it is a gift, and it's, a, it's an imparted, imputed thing that when you call upon Jesus... At the new birth, he imparts his own righteousness into you. And I'm going to tell you as a Christian, as we're, as, as, we're, as, we're to resp- as we're to mature, as we're to press on, as we're to grow up in all aspects in him, one thing you have to understand, you don't get any more righteous. It's a gift at the new birth. It's by birthright. You become a new creation. We're no longer slaves. We're sons. He transfers us out of darkness and transplants us into the kingdom of his dear son. He said, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All the antichrist forces, all the peculiarities and particularities of our times. You could see it in Daniel's era with Babylon. You could see it in Joseph's era with the Pharaoh in ancient Egypt. You could see it with Paul and the Roman bizarreness. You could see it during the hippie movement of the Jesus culture. You could see it now in 2021 in a pandemic and in all the forms of crazy that we're having to adjust to and deal with and respond to. Yet greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. I have faith enough in Jesus' blood that I'm forgiven and my sins are covered and the accuser who accuses me before God day and night, the father of lies, has been cast down. And I overcome him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of my testimony, and that I love not my life even unto death. Some things are more important than creature comforts and how we feel. This is one of the, this is muy importante. This is imperative that we get this. This is so important. And listen, this building stood during the flood. The flood hit the, and there was so much displacement. We had 10 feet of water in this building. It ruined the drywall. Anything that, the carpet bubbled up. Mildew, we had to clean the ceilings with bleached water. Uh, God had fortunately given us a prophetic heads up to evacuate. We did. And we got everything out of the building in three hours and 30 minutes. Uh, But then we came back. It was full of silt. There was a cottonwood tree stuck in the window over there, and, uh, but we, eventually it got cleaned up. We were able to resume, and it taught us that no matter how much the big bad wolf huffs and puffs, he can't blow God's house down. Gates of hell. He said, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, you're Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. But it wasn't upon Peter's personality or who he is as an individual, as a first pope or first leader. What it was was the revelation that God gave Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood didn't reveal to you that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, but my Father who's in heaven. And I could say that just as easily of you. Blessed are you, whatever your name is, that flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who's in heaven has brought a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and that you are now righteous in Christ. You're a new creation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus literally has lifted you up and set you free from the law of sin and death. There are two laws, there are two natures, a sin nature and righteousness. Now, I'm not one of those believers that think that, you know, we have two natures now. We're partakers of his divine nature. And I'm going to show you in the book of Romans, I think it'll bless you and help you, uh, just to show some distinction. We're Christians that the devil tempts us to do unrighteous things. But I'm telling you, when we understand the force of righteousness... We're going to think differently. We're going to rise to the occasion. We're going to overcome because there's so much righteousness is a force. And it really, really, when it gets a hold of our thinking and we understand its origin, where it comes from, that it's a gift, we'll cherish it. I mean, we'll be like those Korean uh, scientists that were crying and rolling on the ice on each other with their parkas with tears running down their faces. I thought, man, they're going to get frostbite on their face. They didn't care. They found like a 30-pound, you know, meteorite, and they, they were just like so happy. So, listen, number one, righteousness is a state or condition of being right with God. When we hear the word righteous, we instinctively think of deeds, of actions, and of behavior. And the Bible does, in fact, use the word that way, but the primary use is a state, a condition, or a nature change. A state, a condition, or a nature change. When I became a Christian, I asked Jesus to come into my heart. I repented. The Holy Spirit granted me repentance. I didn't know any of this until after the fact. But the Lord was dealing with me. The Lord dealt with me to pray, God, if you're real, show me. And then the Lord began to send laborers to cross my path. I had a praying grandmother. I look back retrospectively and I see the process now. And God placed not one but two key contacts in my life. This is why I'm preaching the way I'm preaching, so that you'll be equipped, you'll engage as ambassadors for Christ, and you'll be carriers on the occasion where the Lord has you share some way at work or in a contact at a restaurant or while you're traveling somewhere to just communicate in a loving, non-threatening, non-weird way Hey, listen, I've got information for you. Jesus loves you. He died for your sins. He, he, he wants to save you. And uh, he's provided it, you know, and you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of you know the good news is good news? There's a lot of information on the networks, on, on the media, on social media platforms. A lot of people are voicing. There are a lot of people telling everybody how to think, how to behave, what to do. Preachers, if you're not doing this, you're off. If you're not doing this, you're off. you got to emphasize this. you got to go with this. I've heard it in my 40 years of ministry. And I'm telling you, this is where we need to land. This is the, this is the foundation. This is bedrock. I'm not talking about Barney and Wilma and Fred. What was Fred's wife's name? Wilma, yeah. And what were their kids? Pebbles and Bam Bam. See, 
We're paying more attention to the Flintstones than we have been to the Bible. It's time we get, these guys are more excited about meteorites than we are about the solid foundation of the word of the living God. But yet, that's not the case. We rejoice when we hear the word of God. We rejoice that we've been, he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Liberation from the liberator. He came not to impart a bunch of religious uh, creeds upon us. He came, he said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because when you're a believer, the Bible says, out of your innermost being, out of my innermost being, out of our innermost being, shall biblically flow rivers of living water. And this is what the devil's trying to block. He's trying to dam up. He's trying to, he's trying to hinder, put a crimp in your hose, trying to put gunk up your, your, your system so that the flow, something from God, God's flowing all the time. He wants to hinder and cripple. The devil wants to hinder and cripple the ambassadors. And Jesus wants us to become aware that, man, I'm righteous not on the basis of my performance. See, we come to church and maybe we had a good week. Maybe we read our Bibles. Maybe we prayed. Maybe we didn't succumb to temptation. We come in here and we feel, man, I'm righteous, man. I'm doing, I can sing loud. I can rejoice. I'm excited. Or maybe you messed up two days ago or last night or on the way to church or in the parking lot with your, your loved one. And, and then you come in, oh, I don't feel so righteous now. And that, those feelings, a devil will come in and play with that. That doesn't negate what happened to you 2,000 years ago on the cross for the joy set before him. Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then he says to the church, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them, this is what I'm doing right now, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, look, check it out, get excited, be, have a big wow, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That word low doesn't mean low, it doesn't mean some kind of you know, pause, it's actually a, a statement of exuberance from the Greek. I, I pray our church has a wow moment. He's with me always. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. He's with me in high times and hard times. David said, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. He was, he's with us when we fail. He's with us when we succeed. He's with us in, in our down sitting and our uprising. He gives to his beloved sleep, and he gives us things in our sleep. He'll speak to us by the Holy Spirit while the word's being preached. There's an anointing on this right now, and God's quickening you. Listen, we build our house on the rock, so we could stand through times like we're in right now. Undaunted, unshaken. We're to be no longer tossed to and fro like waves or carried about by every wind of doctrine, the trickery of men, cunning craftiness, a deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects in him. And I would suppose, based on Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13, that you and I and we would do very well to emphasize becoming accustomed with the word of righteousness. We, it would be good for us to really, and I talked to a lady who's been a Christian, spirit-filled Christian, and she said, the devil has been lying to me, and this set me free this morning. And, and, I, and I'm just so glad that God took the debt out of my account, my sin, and then put his assets, his righteousness, into my account. 
He made a trade. He walked up to me as a 16-year-old lost sinner and with many convincing proofs, invited me to a good church. I heard a good pastor preach a good word. I got in contact with people who had experienced salvation and they were real. In the land of cults in Southern California, God brought wholesome, basic, essential Christian faith to me. And at first I thought, wow, I wanted it to be more trippy, more exotic. You know, the, the, the rock stars were ex- exalting Eastern stuff. And I thought maybe I'll get in some sort of mysticism and be kind of like a, some sort of, in some sort of esoteric mysticism. And no, that's not what God brought to me. He brought me the basic, essential gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. But everybody could come to the Father through him. He desires no one to perish but all to be saved. We sit in a restaurant, and we got, we got seated by the bar. So I'm sitting in the booth, and I'm thinking of all the people sitting next to me up on the bar, how Jesus died for every one of them. I'm looking around. I'm thinking people trying to drown their sorrows, drink their troubles away, or people, you know, just kind of distracting themselves. You know, I look around me, and I think, God, how as an ambassador for Christ are we going to bridge and, and reach this lost and dying generation? You've done it before, you could do it again. You anointed Peter on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 were added to the church in Jerusalem in one day. It can happen. I remember when the sports team came through our church and how they had such a fervency for Jesus. And many of the starters were members of our church. We had a Friday night service and they faithfully came. I remember Isaac Bruce getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in my back room here. I remember when he got married with Clagette in the corner room up there. I remember when uh, Kurt Warner got filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember when, when uh, Ernie Conwell, his devotion to the Lord with he and Andrea, and their amazing commitment, still strong in faith. Uh, I, think about, I think about Yannette and Don Davis. Who, who Don has spoken here many, many times. He, he works for the Players Association. He went on to become the, the, the strength coach for the uh, New England Patriots. He's actually my body double, and I've taught him how to have abs and stuff like that. I've taught him. That's where he learned his bench pressing skills. That that is what my inner man looks like, I told him. Yeah, now she's giving me uh, exercise tips. I'm not going to quote her because she didn't like my meteorite movie. <laughs> right, righteousness is a state or condition of being right with God. It's, it's, not, it's by birthright, not by behavior. Um, now, we do need to walk in righteousness. We need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, right? But we need to understand this emanates out of a condition of nature change that came by the blood of Jesus as a gift, and it's imparted. When we understand that, it stabilizes us. This building isn't going, I better hold up the roof. I better hold up the roof. No, the, the pillars go down to the bedrock, and they're just, they're just by design strengthened. You are, by design, the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're a city set on a hill. You're a candlestick. You emanate and radiate hope and help. Your prayers make a difference. 
I've asked, I asked Pastor Virgil to pray for me. I asked John Moore. John Moore's prayed for me since 1975. We pray for one another. He's called me and said, please pray about this. I've called him, please pray about this. We've stood our ground together. Times when I was weak, somebody else was strong. They had a spirit of faith on them. It all emanates out of this right standing we have with God. And the devil will try to come and steal and make you feel apprehensive. That's why I'm teaching. So you can become accustomed that I'm a new creation. The old things passed away. New things have come. My name is recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. My citizenship is in heaven. I have a spirit of adoption. He has given me delegated authority. I have a shield of faith with which I extinguish all the flaming darts of the devil. I have a sword of the spirit that I could cut through the minutia and the, and the seaweed and the, all the, the, the things trying to obscure my vision. And having done all to stand, I stand. I walk in love because God loves me and the love of God is shed in my heart by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5.5. 5. I have peace with God through my Lord Jesus, so I even rejoice through my troubles. I know that what the enemy means for harm, God will turn around for good. And that God has redemption tucked into every nook and cranny of my and your and our existence. I could face the United States of America right now with hope that God can revitalize the church with revival and stir the hearts of those out there that are unsuspecting to draw them into the brightness of the shining of the church. And we'll see a great harvest amongst the lost and a great revival amongst the church. But it starts with us, and it starts with this. This is really the foundation. It could happen right now in a teaching moment just like this where we go, okay, I want to just dust this off. Number two, we are made righteous in the new birth by faith in Jesus Christ alone. We are then to let that righteous new nature dominate our actions. Uh, Turn with me to Romans chapter 6 really quick. Romans chapter 6. And I'm running out of time. Can you hear? Are you listening still? So I've got some, just a little bit more to give you. I've got a little bit, uh, I've got one minute more to give you about 30 minutes, but I've got some good stuff right here. We are made righteous, not on the basis of our performance, not on the basis of deeds we've done in righteousness, it says in the book of Titus, but according to his mercy. Aren't you glad for his mercy? He's rich in mercy. You know, streets of gold, gates of pearl is a trip, but pales in comparison to this component, this this commodity called mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. He's rich in mercy. Listen, the streets of gold, oh, that's cool. Gates of pearl, wow. Sea of glass, man. But God, your mercy. Ephesians 1.7 says we'll, we're saved so that we might show in eternity his mercy. We'll be there and we'll be going, you guys, we're here by his mercy. Right? There are categories of people in heaven that'll be saved yet as through fire, and they'll be so happy. They'll be the happy guys. But guess what? We'll all be happy. Even the most smugly righteous, self-righteous people that got forgiven, they'll even be the happiest. They'll go, no, no, him that's forgiven much loves much. I was so smug, and God forgave me and let me be here. No, I would just barely got saved 10 seconds before the rapture. Or the, I just got saved right before death. I remember a guy I led to the Lord. He was an alcoholic all his life, alienated and estranged from his adult kids. His liver fell apart and disintegrated from alcohol. He dies. They, they, his family failed to sign the do not resuscitate order, so the hospital was obligated to revive him. He's revived, laying on the table, no hope for survival, hemorrhaging, bloated, terrible, just in, in pain, sick, lost, 
he had died. They revived him. I got to go in there and get up and kneel down by him. I got to talk to him. He, was co he had cognition. He could hear. That's one of the last things that goes. You could still hear. I said, if you can hear me, move your foot, uh, uh, blink your eyes. His eyes were set and dry. He was dying. Death was sneaking into his body. I said, if you could hear me, wiggle your feet. He wiggled his feet. I had him do it a few times. I said, I've come here to lead you to Jesus. Would you like to be saved? So I prayed with him, prayed the sinner's prayer, led him to the Lord, prayed to ask Jesus in his heart. Sir, did you ask Jesus in your heart? Are you saved? He had to process that. He was from a liturgical background of works orientation. Am I saved? I did ask Jesus in my heart, but am I saved? That's where the devil comes in to question these things. He always antagonizes on areas of uncertainty. That's why each one of us need to be, get this, fully persuaded in our own minds. So you do the study. This is coming from me, studying the word of God. We don't have a faulty, flaky gospel here. We've got a solid foundation. You're in a building that withstood a flood. It withstood a terrible uh, bombardment. And it stood because the builders built it on a solid foundation. Big bad wolf huffed and puffed, but it's built out of brick, built on a solid rock. And how many of you in your life, Big Bad Wolf has tried to blow down your little piggy house, but you built it with brick and you built it on a solid rock. Yeah. Remember those little piggies on the cartoons? They were the ones that were in the bricks were so happy. You know, in their little flat noses with the little knots, you know, the nostrils, and you can see right through them. It's like, what an unfortunate thing. <laughs> so you can't unsee that. It's like, why do you, going to look right in there. <clears throat> right actions follow rightness of being not vice versa. Right actions follow rightness of being, not vice versa. So look what it says here in Romans 6, 17. And you should read all of Romans 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. It'll really help you. Listen to this. It says, uh, verse 14, For sin shall not be master over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. And then it says here in verse 17, it says, but... Well, let's read, verse, let's read verse 16. Let's read verse 15 and 16 as well. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. Because earlier in Romans 5.20, uh, it says, Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And then Paul said, Should we continue in sin that grace might increase? May it never be. We, how are we who are dead to sin to live in it any longer? He that's dead is freed from sin. Then it says this here. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves of, for obedience, you're slaves of the one whom you obey, either to sin resulting in death or to obedience resulting in righteousness? So it shows we have a responsibility with what we do presenting our bodies. Later on in Romans, he says, present our body as a living sacrifice and that we should not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I'm telling you, when you know you're made righteous, like these next two verses, it's going to bless you and help you. Thanks be to God. Everybody say, thank God. That though you were slaves of sin, past tense, you were, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. There's a turning point here. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I heard a minister say about this. We don't have two natures any longer. We're now partakers of the divine nature, but we still have flesh. And the, we've been made righteous, but the devil wants to tempt us and is tempting us to do unrighteous things. 
And those opportunities are always there. And what we present ourselves to, they can become our master. You can present yourself to the flesh and you could fail and you gotta repent. Thank God for 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Who's grateful for that? He that the Son sets free is free indeed. Well, the, the idea of being chained and being a slave to sin, where occasionally you'll do good things because we, our forefather ate the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So sometimes because humanity is made in God's images, image, there are actually vestiges. You know, uh, the, the Calvinists talk about uh, a total dep uh, totally depraved. But I, I see that there are elements because we're made in God's image where sinners do sometimes good things. Sometimes they're forgiving. Sometimes they're benevolent. Sometimes they're generous, that kind of thing. And, and yet, that, we already know that good works don't get you saved. Bad works don't get you unsaved. Listen to this. He that the Son sets free is free indeed. And we're now slaves to righteousness. I said, we're slaves to righteousness. So before, we were slaves to sin, where we just enjoyed it. That was our nature. But when you got born again, you got ruined to sin. You get tempted. It's pleasurable. You get yield to it. And then you feel terrible till you repent. And sometimes even after, because the accuser comes in and goes, you say you're a Christian. Right? He's the accuser. There are people, sometimes people get run off and they're not in church because they got so under condemnation. When Romans chapter 8 verse 1 declares, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I love this verse. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus lifts us up and sets us free from the law of sin and death. I'll finish with J.B. Phillips, Romans chapter 8 verse 1. No condemnation now hangs over the head of those who are in Christ Jesus. For the new spiritual principle of life in Christ lifts me out of the old vicious circle of sin and death. In other words, we're dealing with two conditions, two powers, two natures, two forces. One, the effect of sin, which separates us from God, produces death, guilt, death sentence and guilt. The, the effect of righteousness, however, a bold, confident access to God's throne without a sense of guilt, unworthiness, inferiority, or failure. Say this with me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life in Christ supersedes the law of sin and death. I had dinner with a gentleman who's a pilot and he flew his plane into Fort Worth the same time we flew a commercial flight last month, and we went into lightning strikes. When we landed, we just barely made it in. We, we talked about it because he flew in at the same time from another city. And the law of gravity is what pulls a plane and keeps a plane on the ground. But the law of thrust and lift supersedes and takes a big gigantic tin can that weighs more than a bus and causes it to fly. Does that ever trip your brain? It trips my brain, but it really trips my brain 
that we dead in our trespasses and sins have had the law of the spirit of life supersede the law of sin and death and he that the son sets free catapults us up into the stratosphere of obedience, of faith, of walking in supernatural maturity, of moving in the power of God, of seeing souls saved, of seeing prayers get answered, of seeing us overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony. We love not our lives even unto death, where we crucify our flesh with all of its garbage and we yield to the Holy Spirit and we mature and we grow up in all aspects in him. Who in here is grateful for the super power wash of the living water of God's Holy Spirit? Let's all stand up and let's thank him for it. Hallelujah. I'm done. I got to point three of five points. Lift up your hands toward heaven. Say this with me. I love Jesus more now than ever. He's my vital link to God's graciousness. He's given me his Holy Spirit. I'm walking in freedom. My feet are on solid ground. My head is alert. I am sober for the purposes of prayer. I am alert knowing my adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But I resist him. I said, I resist him. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. Get out of my thought life. Get off of my household. Get away from my kids. Get off of my church. Get out of my town. Get off of my country. Get off of this generation. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Having done all to stand, I stand. I stand on solid ground. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am now complete in Him. I'm a partaker of His divine nature. With no condemnation of sin, I am a new creature in Christ. The old things passed away. New things have come. I am an ambassador for Christ. I carry the presence of God. These signs follow those who believe. The Lord works with us, confirming his word with signs and wonders. My car is a prayer environment. My house is a house of prayer. My church is a house of prayer for the nations. I live in a beautiful time. I'm on the sunny side of the street. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. I pray God makes his face shine on you. I pray you go out with joy, you're led forth with peace. Look at somebody next to you and say, no condemnation. Look at somebody else and say, no separation. Now say to yourself, nothing can separate me from the love of God. In Jesus' name. Now yell this with me. I have the victory. Amen. God bless you guys.